And did anybody sleep? <laughs> one person, one person slept. Oh, it's so good to see you. And I'm not going to keep you on your feet much longer. I know you've been standing for a little while, but I, I do want us to go straight into the Word, and I, I feel like we need to stay on our feet in reverence to the reading of the Scripture. So take your Bible and go with me to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1. I tell you, there's a generation of young women arising, and there is such an anointing on this generation. And uh, I don't know if you've heard this prophecy that, uh, especially recently, um, with the, uh, the cry that, uh, in, for America that went on at Washington, D.C. with Lou Engel and some of those, but this prophecy is talking about this next great move of God is going to come through the women, through the women. And I think it's this younger generation of women that we were seeing this morning. Can we thank God for that? Hallelujah. <laughs> That's amazing. And we just saw a witness of that today. Daniel chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. And the scripture says this, Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding, about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better. I love that. He found them ten times better. Look at someone and say, you are ten times better. You are ten times better. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. And now I want us to look at Esther chapter 4 and verse 14. And I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. Very familiar. We, we kind of mentioned Esther last night. It says, and who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Amen. Now I want you to put your Bible down or your device, whatever it was you were looking at the scripture with, and I want you to put your hand over your heart. And I want you to say this aloud. I was made to invade. Say it again. I was made to invade. Look at your sister and say, you were made to invade. Now let's join hands. As a matter of fact, let's actually come across the aisle if we can. Just join hands with one another and, and, and make sure you've got somebody by the hand. And let's say this declaration aloud. And today we're going to be making several declarations into the spirit and into the atmosphere. And this is one of those declarations. I want you to say this with faith. We were made to invade say it again we were made to invade now lift those hands up father in the name of jesus i praise you for an impartation upon the people of god today an impartation of great divine influence that there is a an activation of the spirit of god about to be released upon the people today an activation and an acceleration, Father, for what you want to do through their lives, God. You've been aligning things for them, God. You've been putting things together. Even our tragedies, even our difficulties, even our struggles, God, it's all been coming together for just such a time as this, for what you are about to do through us, your people. So God, today we pray for great impartation of the Spirit of God that will activate an invasion of kingdom increase. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone shouted, Amen. Now put those hands together.
together one more time as you find your way to your seat. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. You know, this is the most opportune time in church history. It is truly a divine time. And we are alive and we are positioned for to be a part of it. There's a shift occurring. There's a shift uh, from uh, a church mentality to kingdom mentality. We're thinking differently. We're, we're not seeing things like we used to see them. Our, our, we're broadening uh, the way we see it because it's not just about a building. It's not just about a, a, a person's ministry. It's not about my church. It's about the kingdom. When Jesus prayed, he did not say, thy church come, thy kingdom come, he said, right? He didn't say, thy church come, thy will be done, did he? He said, thy what? Kingdom. Say it again. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Why? Because this is bigger than any church. This is bigger than any one denomination. This is bigger than any parachurch organization. This is the kingdom of God. And you and I are being ready. Today, it's all about God readying us. It's, a, it's all about God making us uh, prepared for such a time as this. There is a scripture in the book of John, and we, don't, we won't go there, but John chapter 1 verse 5, and it says that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I know people think these are dark times, and they, they tend to want to speak in, in, in more negative terms. But the scripture says that darkness does not overcome the light. Hallelujah. That the light always wins. In the very beginning, light invaded darkness. In Genesis 1, let me remind you what it says. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. There was a darkness problem. And God solved the darkness problem when he opened his mouth and said, let there be light. And light was the answer to the darkness problem. Light was the solution to the darkness. Jesus comes along and he says, I am the light of the world. In other words, he was saying, now I am the answer to the darkness problem. I am the light. I am the answer. And ever since Jesus was here, we saw everywhere he went an invasion. Wherever Jesus showed up, there was an invasion into darkness. When the light showed up, it was a dark day in the life of a mama in the city of Nain. She had lost her only child. And, and, and it was the funeral procession and they were going through the street wailing and grieving and weeping because this woman was a widow and her only hope for a future was now in a coffin her son in the funeral procession it represented her life being over by the standards of that time because she was a widow and now had no son to to help her it was her own uh, death uh, warrant it was in a sense her saying my life is over and so people were wailing with her it was weeping with her and it was her darkest moment but when the light Jesus showed up he looked at the coffin and he said little boy get up arise and what was the darkest day became the brightest day in the life of a mama I'm telling you wherever light is wherever there is light there is an invasion can you praise God for his light 
It was a dark day for a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. You know the story. They, they took her and dragged her into the city square. And the people began to encircle her. And they began to point fingers of accusation. Fingers of shame. It was She was surrounded by darkness. You talk about feeling the weight of darkness. She certainly felt it as fingers were being pointed at her and they were calling her horrible names. You adulterer. You aren't, you're no good. You're not worth anything. Come on, I'm going to get real. You're a whore. That's basically what they were saying to her. They were pointing fingers at her and don't you know the, that, that the darkness that surrounded her and those accusations isn't that just like the devil he loves to accuse he loves to bring shame but what happened with this woman is what the Lord wants you to see today because Jesus the light of the world when he showed up he said I don't condemn you I don't see you that way that's not who you are and the darkest day and that woman became the brightest day for that woman because there was an invasion of light hallelujah Jesus said now you are the light of the world now you and I are the answer you and I are the solution to the darkness problem of this world and there is an invasion of, of light going on in this hour now there are several declarations I'm about to release over you and every time I release this declaration I want you to lift your hands and I want you to receive it because it's up to you to receive what the Holy Spirit wants to speak over you today and here's the first declaration I want you to lift your hands and by faith be ready to receive what it is the Lord wants to speak here it is you will invade the unfamiliar territory he is now sending you into hallelujah receive it you're going to invade unfamiliar territory that he's sending you into Shoo. Hallelujah. Some of you are entering a season of your life you've never been in. You're entering things you've never seen or heard. It's a, it's a whole shift of life. It's a whole new way of living. And you're entering unfamiliar territory. But God is the one sending you into it for an invasion in the darkness. The scripture says this in Daniel chapter 1. Verse 1, that in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And if you want to just keep your Bible open to Daniel 1 and 1. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now you got to see this because Daniel was actually born about halfway through the reign of a king by the name of Josiah. Josiah was known to be the most godly king in the nation of Israel. He was the king of reform. He was the king that came in and, and led a reformation back to the word of God. He was the king that went in there and got rid of uh, all the Asherah poles and all the uh, idolatry, all the idols set up in the temple. He was the one that cleaned house, Josiah did. And so he was known as the king of reform, a godly king. He, he took the people back to the word. He had them reading the word aloud. So he was a king of reform. And it was in the midst of Josiah's leadership and reign that Daniel was born. See this, see this. He was born in, in the midst of godly leadership. He was born, he grew up hearing men like Jeremiah prophesy. He heard great prophets speaking in the streets. He grew up with good grounding and foundation. But as a young man, we know the story that the king, the Bible says, that Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem and besieged it. He came in and everything that was sacred was desecrated. Nebuchadnezzar came in, invaded what was a, 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 the nation of Israel and, and, and he took possession of Israel and everything that was familiar 
now became so unfamiliar, everything changed for Daniel. Somebody, ooh, I sense this by the Spirit of God. You are facing some, a mountain of change in your life. There's so much change occurring. Or some of you, I sensed this when I was praying for you. A lot of uncertainties that you're facing right now. This is exactly where Daniel was. A lot of uncertainty. And verse 2, if you want to follow along, of chapter 1 says this, that the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his, that is Nebuchadnezzar's, hands. Now notice what it says. It, does, it doesn't say that Nebuchadnezzar took Jerusalem. It says that God gave Jerusalem over to the enemy. And you've got to see what God allowed. Because when God gave over the people of God to a wicked king, God, they went in and they took everything that was sacred in the temple and they brought it back and set it up in the temple of Baal. Can you imagine? Everything sacred and holy was now being set up in a temple of idolatry. And God allowed it. It didn't make sense. Has God ever allowed something in your life that doesn't add up? It doesn't make sense. It's not at all what you heard in your spirit, what you thought. You know, when the prophets were prophesying over Israel, don't you know Daniel was thinking this or that? He didn't expect this. And yet this is what happened. Everything familiar changed. And so God even allowed uh, these sacred things to be set up in the temple of Baal, which spoke of total victory over Jehovah. Do you understand that? When they did that, that was their way of saying, our God is greater than your God. They were saying, Baal is greater than Jehovah. Yet God allowed it. That don't add up in my book. That don't make sense. That's one of those moments you think, God, where are you? Do something, God. Why would you permit that, Lord? And yet God is the one who allowed the very thing to happen. Why? Because God knew they were going into unfamiliar territory. And God knew they had to go there. There was a reason why they had to go into unfamiliar territory. God could, could see it, but they could not understand it. And I'm speaking to someone who God is allowing you to enter into unfamiliar territory in your life right now. And it's not adding up. It's not what you had thought. It's not what you even envisioned, but yet God's the one allowing these things to unfold in your life because some of you are about to step into such unfamiliar things in the spirit. It's about what you're about to enter into in the spirit. Can you thank God for what he's about to do in your life? You've got to go to the unfamiliar to prepare you for the unfamiliar in the spirit realm. Uh, when our church there in Atlanta, I had a precious woman, and she's actually one of my prayer partners. She's a flight attendant for Delta. She's been a flight attendant for many years with Delta, and she works in, in first class. And she was sharing with me. I had been getting up and preaching so much to our people. You are going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You are going to cast out devils. You are going to raise the dead. Expect it. You are going to cast out devils. I'm speaking over you now. You are going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You are going to raise the dead. Hallelujah. I had been speaking and declaring this over our people. Well, Becky said, I'm on first, uh, first class. I'm working. We're in midair. When suddenly a man in first class has a heart attack and dies. 
sitting in first class, completely dies. They check his vitals. He's dead. So they have to land the plane. She said it was so horrible. It was just so sad. And so she said they had to find a place and they had to get permission and land early. So she said, we landed the plane and they deboarded. They got all the people off of the plane and they were waiting for the paramedics or the professionals, whoever they are, to come and take his body off of the plane. So she said, I'm the one in first class. I was staying with the body until, until they could come and get him. And she said, as I'm standing there crying, thinking of his family, the Lord reminded me, Pastor, what you've been saying, that you're going to raise the dead. She said, the Lord reminded me of that. And she said, okay, God, Pastor Jamie said that we're going to raise the dead. So here we go, Lord. She said, I went over and I laid my hands on him. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I command life to come back into your body now. She said, when I said that he started coughing, he awakened, he walked off the plane. Oh, only Jesus. I'm telling you, you're about to do something so out of your comfort zone. You're about to go into unfamiliar territory. You're about to see things you've never seen before. Can you thank him? He's going to do that through you. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody help me praise him. I know you will. I know you will. I was telling Linda yesterday, I, I, where was that? I think it was yesterday. I was telling Linda, last year I'm in a restaurant full of people. It was a sports bar where they have all these TV screens. It screens. It's loud, and I'm I'm with a young woman uh, in her 20s and kind of mentoring her, sitting there, and it's loud, and we're talking. Suddenly, I hear somebody screaming, "Help! Help!" And, and you know, it's noisy, so everybody was kind of looking around, like, "Is that a TV? What is that?" She's screaming, "Help! Help! My friend is choking. Somebody help!" And this woman standing up, <gasps> she can't breathe, and everybody in the restaurant just gets quiet it's like will somebody do something but everybody was kind of like halfway in shock is this really happening and she can't breathe and she's screaming somebody please do something I stood up and I lifted my hands I said in the name of Jesus right in the restaurant you better believe it in the name of Jesus I command that thing to dislodge right now and I'm speaking this man from the back gets out and he runs over there to try to do the Heimlich and when he did he threw his back out. So he's been over the woman's, and I'm going over to the man. I lay my hands on his back. In Jesus' name, I command this back to align. And while I'm praying for him, that woman goes, and that thing comes out of her mouth. That man stands straight up. I'm telling you, you're going into unfamiliar territory. You're going to invade darkness. You're going to see the light of God increasing, increasing, increasing. Would you thank God for it. Oh, I don't know what that does for you, but that gets me excited. Woo. Oh, okay. Lift your hands. There's another decree, another declaration I'm going to make over you. In the name of Jesus, you will invade despite the challenges you are facing. Mm. You will invade despite the challenges you are facing, because I can hear some of you not right now giving excuses, but God this, but God this, oh, but God, and God said, I'm telling you, despite the challenges, you're about to invade situations. Oh, but God, you know, I haven't finished my education. You're about to invade some places. But God, now, now you know, I don't know the right people. You're about to invade some places that God is going to send you despite every challenge. Now put your hands together and thank him. The Bible says if you want to look at chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible talks about the king ordering the best of Israel taken to serve in, in the king's palace. Now, get this. He takes these young men, and these are young men full of potential. He doesn't go after the slackers. Come on, the devil doesn't care about slackers. He goes after those with leadership potential. 
those who are the chosen ones, those who are the called ones, those that he sees great gifting and potential, that's who he targeted. That, and I'm telling you, the moment you decide, I'm going to do something for the Lord. I want to do something for Jesus. I want to make an impact. The moment you decide, I want to make an impact. I want to influence. You better believe you are a target. And the enemy comes after you. And that's what he does here. And in verse 5, it says this. The king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies. And of the wine which he drank. And watch, for three years of training. Notice that three years of indoctrination. Three years of being bombarded. Three years. Some of you, you've been going through something six months. And you're like, God, are we done? Three years. <laughs> they're getting. Some of you have been going through some things a long time. Three years they're being bombarded. And the Bible says, so that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. The king, the enemy came with a threefold plan of attack. That threefold plan of attack was he first attacked their heritage. He went after their heritage. He did that by changing their names. He knew when he changed their names, he was attacking their roots, their heritage. Because their names had significance and had meaning attached to them. Meaning attached to, to their ancestry. Meaning attached to where they had come from. Meaning attached to the God they believed in. The God they served. All, you know, those biblical names had meanings that would remind them of who they were in God. And where they had come from. And so the, the enemy came after their heritage. Daniel, it, it means God is my judge. But, but, but Nebuchadnezzar said, no, you're now Belteshazzar. And that means Baal will protect me. It was directly opposite of what God said about him. It was totally opposite. Not, not is it no longer Jehovah, God. Now it is Baal is my protection. But, but see, they, that's the way the enemy worked. He, he came in to attack the root system. The foundational system. Some of you have sowed seed into your children. And you've been sowing seed for years into your children. And the enemy is after the seed you've been sowing. He's after to, to distort everything you've been decreeing, everything you've said. The enemy's trying to twist what God has spoken through you over your own seed. But in the name of Jesus, his plan will not succeed. I want you to agree with me. His plan is not going to succeed. There is such an attack on the heritage, our Pentecostal heritage. There are people, I don't know, maybe it's not like this up here. But where we are, there is an attack on the Pentecostal heritage. It's no longer popular to speak in tongues in church. And we're told it's not, it's not a proper place any longer for the gifts of the Spirit to be in activity. That that should be done in privacy. And I don't know what your beliefs are, but I grew up in a time where we were not ashamed of our Pentecostal heritage. And I don't know about you, but I am not ashamed of my Pentecostal heritage. And I just trust the Lord enough to believe that if he wants to release a word, even if there are people in the room that don't understand that activity, Holy Spirit knows how to handle that. He knows what to do with that. That's not my job. My job is to not put the Holy Ghost in a box. My job is to let Holy Ghost be who he wants to be in my family and in my church. Anybody with me? It was an attack on their heritage. But then the second fold plan, he, he did threefold plan. That was the first attack. The second attack was on their belief system. 
because he begins this whole brainwashing process with these guys. Begins to brainwash them, reprogram them, giving them a whole new belief system. They had to study it. They had to understand it. But then he came after their lifestyle. He gave them a new diet. Now listen, watch this. Daniel said nothing when they came after his heritage. He said not a word. He didn't speak up and say, whoa, 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 that ain't my name. He did not do that. And I think it's because Daniel knew who he was. It didn't matter what they called him. He knew who he was. And that's why he didn't say anything. Daniel didn't say anything when they came after his belief system and began this process of reprogramming him. And I think it's because that Daniel thought, well, hey, I'll get educated in the Babylonian way. And then I'll know how to influence them. I'll know how to speak their language. And maybe I can make an impact while I'm here. <laughs> so I don't think, you know, Babylon is a picture of the world system. So I don't think he looked at it as a negative thing at that point. That, okay, as long as he knew he already had a strong foundation. He already had grown up under a good leadership, so he knew how to pray his way through things, right, folks? He knew how to open his window and pray his way through a difficult situation. So he didn't like and let that indoctrination influence him. But when they came after his lifestyle, that's when he drew the line in the sand. That's when he said, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. That's something I cannot compromise. I can't eat the food offered to idols. I can't compromise my lifestyle. Why? Because the moment I compromise my lifestyle, it will affect my influence. It affects what it, it makes it look like what I say and what I do isn't measuring up. What I believe and how I'm living isn't measuring up. And I won't live like a hypocrite. I, I got to be the, the man of God that I am. And so he, he made a decision. I can't defile myself when it comes to my lifestyle. There is a passage that God took me to several years ago. And this morning I asked Melissa, you think you could get the scripture to the guys? Because the Lord reminded me of the scripture out of Isaiah chapter 4 verse 1. And several years ago God took me to this passage and it brought such revelation relation to me concerning this very matter because in Isaiah chapter 4 verse 1 this is a prophecy concerning our time this is a prophetic utterance about the age we're living in and I want you to see what the scripture says it says and in that day seven women will take hold of one man saying we will eat our own bread we'll wear our own apparel only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. Now, women in scripture is a picture of the bride of Christ. And in the book of Revelation, we see the bride, the seven churches, right? This, that's a picture of the end time church. Seven churches. It's the picture of the end time church. And the seven women are going to take hold of one man, that being Jesus taking hold of the one man, Jesus. So the, the bride of Christ, the end-time church, takes hold of Jesus. But listen to what the end-time church wants to say. We want to eat our own bread. In other words, we want to believe what we want to believe. Don't tell me how to believe things. And we want to wear our own apparel. Apparel in Scripture is a picture of righteousness. In other words, we want to live the way we choose to live. We want to believe how we want to believe. We want to live the way we want to live. Oh, but only let us be called by your name. I still want to be called a Christian. But don't tell me how to believe. I'm still a Christian. I'm going to live the way I want to live. I, I, 
I'm going to do what I want to do. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer in Jesus. But their life and their talk, their lifestyle and their talk is not measuring up. And this is a picture of the end time church. But I'm telling you, if there is to be an invasion of light into the darkness, we cannot be caught up in this kind of an end time church. The church has got to be a glorious church. It's got to be a bride without spot and blood. A holy church. Anybody agree with me? But watch what Daniel does because what he does is he confronts the issue by humbling himself. He goes to the leader and he says, wait, wait. You know, I was okay when you changed my name. I was okay when you told me I had to go to your school. But don't make me eat that. Please don't make me defile Myself and the Bible says, listen, because he used wisdom, the Bible distinctly said, Wisdom with wisdom, he used wisdom when he approached the leader and, and he spoke and said, Please don't make me defile myself. And the Lord, the Bible says, Remember what we talked about last night that God gave him favor, he had favor, the Bible says. He had favor with the leader. And the Bible says that he had such favor with the officials that he had ten times the influence. His favor, that favor, whew, Jesus, gave him ten times the influence of every witch and every warlock in Babylon. He stood up and he stood out among everyone else because he used wisdom and how he dealt with the times. And God is showing us something here because the Lord is revealing to us a secret here in this hour about how he's about to work through us as we are light in darkness and how we are going to gain influence. I'm here to tell you, God is going to so put his favor on your life that you are going to have ten times the influence of every witch and warlock on your job. Every witch and warlock in your community. Every negative influence. God is going to so give you those that are willing such a godly influence on your life that will put you in places that you never imagined. Can you thank God for that? One last decree, lift your hands, lift your hands, final decree. Mm. You will invade because you are being positioned strategically by God in this hour. God is strategically positioning you for the invasion he wants to do through your life. So receive that. Whatever it is, wherever it is, however it is, he's positioning you strategically Ooh, in this coming year. In this coming year, you will find yourself positioned strategically to stand up and stand out. To be light in darkness. You will find yourself with opportunities to see souls won into the kingdom. You will find yourself with opportunities to break, ooh, to break demonic influence off of people's minds and off of their homes. You will find yourself speaking freedom over those who were in bondage. Mm. And seeing devils cast out of people. I'm speaking to someone. You will find yourself so positioned strategically that you never dreamed you would be seated in the places you will be seated by God in order to see light go into the darkest of places. Some of you are even going to a foreign country next year. Never dreaming you'd be going, but going there and you're going to invade the darkness on foreign soil. 
mountain in Jesus' name. It may be foreign soil within this country, but you're going to step foot into territories you never saw yourself stepping into because God is positioning you strategically in Jesus' name. Now praise him. Verse 21 says that Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Do you know how long that was? 75 years. 75 years. 75 years he was in a hostile culture. 75 years he had to listen to Babylonian thinking. 75 years he had to sit among heathens, pagans. 75 years, he had to listen to them trash talk his God. 75 years, he had to sit across the table from kings that worshipped other idols for 75 years. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he served the kings of Babylon. And then when Persia would take over, he served the kings of Persia. He served reprobates. He served then for 75 years. Not one time do we read in church history, not one time do we read in the scripture that Daniel ever went back to his beloved Israel. Not once. We never read that he was among the exiles that went back to Israel. But for 75 years, he remained faithful to the position that God strategically placed him. Do you know why? Because to this day, we are still reading the prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled that came through Daniel while in Babylon. We are still yet to see the fulfillment of things that God showed him in visions while in Babylon. It's God's way of saying no matter where you are, even seated across the table from the most ungodly person. Even there, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use your influence. You're going to impact people wherever I put you. You are going to impact lives wherever I place you. Can you thank God for that? You don't have to be in the perfect place. God is wanting to put anointing on you. For the place he's put you. Quit asking him to put you in a new place. He wants to give you an anointing for the place you're in. He's the one that puts you there. And he wants to anoint you for that place. If you will let him, quit asking him to get me out of this. Get me out of this. And receive the assignment he's given to you. I'm preaching to somebody today. Receive that assignment, even if you don't like it. Receive it because God has you positioned strategically. You may be feeling the battle, the warfare around you. Whew. You may be feeling the warfare raging around you where you are in that hostile envi environment. You may not like it, but there's something, there's some reason, there's some person you're influencing that God says only you. I got you there because you are the one that's going to make the impact that I need to be made there. And God is setting you up for that. I was invited a few years ago. I was invited to go to Bermuda and, and preach the, the, the national prayer breakfast. Now get this. They invite me to come and speak at their nation's prayer breakfast. It was right after their election. And so they flew me in and, and they had told me after the prayer breakfast on that Saturday, I would start to run revival at one of their churches on the island on that Sunday. So I fly in, I get there, I don't know who this new elected person is, but all I know this is on the flight, on the way to Bermuda, God speaks to me and he said, you will prophesy over the premier. And the premier is the president. It's like our president, they call the, the, their leader the premier. 
The premier has the ear of the president of the United States, has the ear of the queen of England. I mean, the premier is a, it's just like what we would view our greatest leader. And so when God said, you are going to prophesy over the premier, girls, I like to fell out of the plane. <laughs> Give me a parachute, I'm going back. <laughs> That's what I thought. I, I mean, that was, a, that was terrifying to me. And then God said, and this is what you will say. You will say, God says he is giving to you the keys to commerce. And you are going to turn this nation around. I thought, well, that don't even make sense to me, God. I don't know anything about the economy of Bermuda. This makes no sense to me. But God told me I was going to say this. So I get to the prayer breakfast. It's in this massive hotel, gorgeous place. And I get in, and they begin to lead me uh, to the place that they want me seated. And, and I remember when I came in, seeing all of these prayer, these people, these uh, spiritual leaders from Bermuda were there. There were people of all religions and faith in that room at the prayer breakfast. There were, you could see the Catholic priests and the nuns. There were the people, the Salvation Army people all dressed up in their Salvation Army clothes. You had the Methodists, the Baptists, you had everybody in that room. And, and so they take me to the table. And I'm sitting there and I'm the first one there when suddenly the premier shows up with the entourage of bodyguards. And when the premier shows up, I had no idea it was a woman. A woman. And, and then I found out later, many of them said they couldn't ever remember a woman being elected. And so here comes the premier walking in with her entourage of bodyguards. And they lead her over to the table that I'm sitting at. And I thought, oh, Lord, I, I mean, have you ever had God ask you to do something you thought you were going to throw up? <laughs> I, I thought I was going to throw up. That's the only way. I'm sorry if that makes you feel nauseated, but that's the way I felt exactly. And, and so I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm just going to just say it. But they had her surrounded with people telling her about protocol. This, this person's here. Make sure you acknowledge this person. They had all these people speaking into her ear. I couldn't even get her attention. And so I'm sitting there, and, and I, I'm thinking, God, please don't make me do this. Please, Lord, don't make me do this. And I thought I could get out of it somehow. I, you, know, you, you know how you do. I was bargaining. I was bargaining with God. And so uh, they had already gone over protocol with me, make sure you acknowledge this government leader and these people and blah, blah, blah. And I had my list that they make sure you acknowledge. And so I get up. They told me, okay, we're starting, please go forward. I get up, and, and I was so nervous that, I kid you not, if, if you could have heard my teeth chattering, I was that scared out of my wits. You talk about unfamiliar. This was the most unfamiliar thing for me. I mean, I'm in a country I know nothing about, around people who speak with an accent I don't understand. <laughs> they have a great accent. It's beautiful. And they drive on the wrong side of the street. But here I am sitting with these people. I'm like, why am I here? What is this about God? This is so not fun. <laughs> and I'm standing up there with protocol, trying to read over protocol, make sure I'm acknowledging thank you to this, blah, blah, blah. When the Lord says, now, prophesy now, I said, really? <laughs> Really, Lord? I mean, I had already planned. I was going to catch her before she went out the door. <laughs> and God says, now, prophesy now. And, and oh, my goodness, I kept trying to read protocol, and it was like the words wouldn't come out because God was dealing with me so strongly now. And I'm trying my best to resist. But I thought, I'm just going to throw up on this stage right now if I don't obey God. And so I stopped midway and I said, I'm sorry. I said, but I, I need to obey the Lord. I said, um, Premier, can I pray for you? And you could hear a pin drop. That place got so quiet. and It, it was like I had done the unpardonable. What are you doing? This is not on the list. <laughs> and yet I knew I had to obey God. 
And I said, Premier, do you mind if I pray for you? And she said, no, now you have to understand. This Premier, when I looked at the program and I saw who she was, this is a woman who has two doctorate degrees, several undergraduate degrees, spoke several languages, very highly intelligent woman. So all I could think was, God, she's probably not Pentecostal. <laughs> she's not going to understand any of this. And I'm shaking. Lord, I was thinking a ways out of it. And she comes down the aisle and she stands right in the front with her entourage of bodyguards all around her. And they were not there to catch her. They were there <laughs> to guard her. And I, I look at her, and I said, I, on the plane, on the way here, I said, God told me to tell you this. And for whatever reason, he wants me to say it now in front of everyone. And it was, this was being live broadcast on the island. I said, the Lord would say to you that he is giving to you the keys to commerce. And you're going to turn this nation around. And when the Lord, when that word was released, you heard gasping, you heard people holler. Then uh, it was like an outbreak of prayer, sudden, spontaneous prayer. Ah, erupted in that place. People began, some people stood up and began to weep. The, the Catholic priest got on his knees and lifted his hands. I was like, what? I mean, the Salvation Army lady, she laid out on the floor. She put her floor I mean and then in the far back corner I heard a hooping and hollering I was like there's the Pentecostals way back there there they are there they are and I mean that place just erupted in prayer people began to cry out to God and there were tears coming down the face of the premier what I didn't know until afterwards was they told me that this woman had been the minister of finance for many years on the island and they had elected her as premier because the economic situation in Bermuda was so bad that that's, it was a controversial election but she was elected primarily on that basis that she would be able to turn the financial situation around and God stopped everything for a nation of people to say you did it right you made a right decision it don't matter what other people think you made a right decision I'm telling you you may find yourself with people you never imagined yourself honey when I stood up there I thought God I don't understand why would you ask me to come and say something to people I don't even know I'm telling you there is an invasion going on across this world and God is looking for you. He's looking for you. He's looking for you. He wants to use you in this hour. And he's ready to. Are you ready for him? Oh, stand up and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Put your hands together. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Where is it God is positioning you? Where is it he is placing you in this hour for an invasion? Because you were made for that very reason. You were made for this very reason. When the devil tries to tell you, you don't have, you're not that important. There's not anybody you're really influencing. Nobody cares. I'm telling you by the Spirit of God today that the Lord made you for this. Have you stopped to think that in all history, all through time, God had decided to put you here now? To put you here now. He made a decision. He could have made you be born back in the dark ages. He could have had you be born uh, back uh, in, in the year 500 B.C. I don't know. He made sure you were born for now. And that reason has so much to do with the type of invasion your life. The impact your life is a is destined to have and it's up to you
You can let this moment pass you by. But it is up to you if you choose to say, yes, Lord, I am eager. I am ready. And forgive me for not taking this assignment seriously. Forgive me, Lord, for asking you to reposition me instead of accepting the assignment you have for me. I promise you, if you will be faithful in the assignment you're on today, God will give you greater influence in fresh places. But you've got to be faithful with the assignment you're in today. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Just cry out to him and say, yes, Lord. Even with that family, even with that difficult family member, even with that difficult boss that you work for, even with those rude employees you work alongside of, even them, even those people, God, you know I don't like it. I don't want to do it. I can hear some of you. I don't want to do it. Ask the Lord, help me to be faithful with my assignment now, with the assignment I'm on now. Because there's bigger things you want to do through my life. And i got to be faithful in the little. i got to be faithful with the little. Mm. i got to prove I'm faithful with the little. Mm. Mm. I've told people, could it be that God, we're not hearing the release of the prophetic. and We're not hearing the release of words of knowledge and words of wisdom. Tongues and interpretation. Could it be we're not hearing it so much because we're not faithful with the words he's already speaking? Why would he speak more when we're not being faithful with what he's already said? Because it just makes us more accountable. But we're a generation that is blessed to be here. And we need to see it as a blessing. If you're breathing, you're meant to still be here. You are meant to still be here. Well, I don't understand why I'm breathing. I wish I wasn't, honey, because you're still meant to be here. And there's something that you were meant to still do. And that's why you're still breathing. And that's why the Lord wants you to see the assignment you're positioned in as a blessing and not a curse. It's a blessing. Daniel saw it as a blessing in spite of his difficulty. God, in the name of Jesus, may we bless what you bless. When you say it is blessed, may we bless what you bless. Mm. Even if we can't see it right now, we choose to bless what you bless. Mm. Even as he did with Balaam, when Balaam was wanting to curse what God blessed, God wouldn't allow Balaam to curse what he had blessed. He says, stop cursing what I'm determined to bless. Even if you don't see it blessed, if I'm determined to bless it, don't curse it. up shake the dust off loose the bands around your neck oh captive daughter see that I am ready to release you into greatness see that I am ready to do miraculous things through you but you must rise up and refuse to remain a victim, says the Lord. For I don't see you that way. 
I see you victorious. I see you as the winner. I see you as courageous. Lift up your head. Rise up this day. Make a decision, says the Lord, for my hand is greatly upon you. Okay, thank him for that. Now, we need to be accountable with that. Thank him, Lord. That's for me. Receive it. His, he said, my hand is on you. Receive that. That's for you. That's for me. God, would you expose and reveal anything that is causing captivity, that is still causing us to refuse to see ourselves in the light a victory. Anything that would target us and call us a victim, I cast it off. I am not a victim. Come on, throw that off. I am not a victim. I am not a victim. I am not a victim. <laughs> I am not a victim. That's not who I am. Oh, just like Daniel, the devil wants to label you something you're not. Say, I'm not that. I'm not that. That's not who I am. Father, speak your word over your daughters right now. Speak your name over your daughters. Speak your name. You're going to hear him speaking over you right now. I can hear his voice being released over you. Open your heart. Open your spiritual ears. He's speaking over you right now. He's speaking and decreeing over you. The Spirit of God. When I walked in this room today, I saw an angelic being dancing. The Lord is so excited about this moment with you right now. The angels were anticipating this moment today. So open your spirit. Open your heart. Now cast off the labels that you've been agreeing with and receive the true destiny and the truth about who you are and what you are. Receive it. I can hear this right now. You've got to go there first. You are not a victim. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now decide, despite my challenges, Father, Despite the challenges that are facing me, I know you're ready to work through my life. I'm not going to let my challenges cripple me. I'm not allowing my challenges to cripple me. My challenges will not cripple me. That's for somebody. My challenges will not cripple me. You will not be stopped. Now receive from the Lord. Receive. Now he's, he's saying receive. I am putting on you a fresh anointing. Receive it. I'm putting on you a fresh anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Out of your own spirit, worship. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. I am your daughter. I am your daughter. I am your daughter. And you are pleased with me. I am your daughter. <laughs> I am your daughter. I am your daughter. Hallelujah. And you are pleased with me. I am your daughter. Come on. I am your daughter. Yes, Lord. I am your daughter. Hallelujah. And you are pleased with me. He's singing over you right now. He's singing over you right now. He's decreeing over you right 
Would you now take the hand of the sister standing next to you? Just take them by the hand. Now, Father, we know the enemy loves to scatter sheep. Because in the scattering, he weakens us. And we know that among women, he loves to create jealousy and rivalry. But, Father, we are a team of force. We are your daughters. <laughs> and we stand together today. So together we lift up each other. Now this is what I want you to do. I want you to begin to pray that God will send your sister right where he wants them. Put them, position them right where he wants them. I feel that God is giving clarity over some people's positioning right now. Mm. He's giving you clarity right now concerning your position and what he's doing through you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are pleased. You are pleased. You are pleased. You are pleased with me. You are pleased. <laughs> you are pleased. See, the devil wants to make you think God's mad at you, but he's saying, I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. The devil wants you to think God is angry with you, but God is saying, I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. I love you. I'm pleased with you. Hallelujah. Now thank him. Thank him. I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. He's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come here. You come here too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. And my precious woman of God here too. You come here, sweetie. Come stand right here. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my precious daughter that got baptized in the Holy Ghost last night with the gorgeous hair. Come here, girl, with the red hair. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, wow. My Lord. Yes, even here. Ooh. I need some mothers in Israel. This woman of God right here, I need you to come here, Mama. Mama, that's a mama right there in Israel. Mama in Israel, come here.